0: Who do you think you are? When you and I, I really want you to, to to think about that question for a second. Who do you really think? Who do you think you are? How would you describe yourself? How would you? When someone asks you that question, hey, who who are you? Or who? You know, wh- what is it about you? What? How would you answer them? Now, in the church, I get it. I thought about. Let's give a little exercise here. Let's take a minute. Give everybody an opportunity to write down on piece of paper. But I would guess that a lot of us being in the church, we kind of click in, we'd say, well, I'm a follower of Christ. Well, I'm a son of God. But if we would take it on the, out of the wall, outside of the walls of the church, is that how you would answer the question? Someone comes up to you and says, hey, who, who are you? Well, I'm Gail. I'm a child of God. I mean, I, I, most of us probably wouldn't answer that way. But That's really, you know, kind of essentially the way we should answer it. For the next X amount of weeks, we are going to spend a lot of time in Ephesians taking a critical look at who we are, our true identity. And we're going to look at how we've gotten off that, we get off, easily get off that path sometimes. But how would you answer this question, I am? How would you answer that for yourself, I am? Who are you? Well, I am a school teacher. Well, I'm... An auto mechanic. How would you answer that question? Some of us, um, I don't know about some of us, but I think in the world we live in, the way we're influenced, there's a higher, there's an echelon there, isn't there? It's like, well, I am a politician. Well, I'm just a landscaper. Well, I am a lawyer. Well, I am a machine fabricator. Is Is that right? I work, I, I fabricate things on a machine. I, I mean, we have these different, we, we say things like different, right? It's our identity, right? Well, I am this. I am that. How would you describe yourself? Because, guys, I want you to think about this, okay? I, I mean, really, truly think about this, because we're going to drive this point home uh, over and over and over and over again. The way we answer that question, the way you answer it, and naturally you would answer that question, is very life-shaping. It shapes your life. It literally is life altering. It takes you, it it, it makes you, um, it influences the way you make decisions about your life, depending on how you view yourself or who you think that you are. And so, this question, the way we look at it, the way we answer it, is extremely critical as Christ followers. And some of us in here, you know, uh, we've, we've been given labels, we've been given names. Some of us are sitting in here this morning and, and, you know, grow. I mean, take a look at your nickname. You know, if you have a nickname, what is your nickname? What was given to you as a child? Some of us tout that nickname as something really that we're proud of. Some of us are like, man, I don't want anybody to know the nickname that I had as a kid, right? I remember when I was growing up, my, I'm named after my dad. I've told you this before, Gail Leon Rubel, Jr. His name is Gail Leon Rubel, Sr., I, I didn't like my name I, my, until I found out my grandmother almost named my dad Kermit, okay? There's nothing wrong with Kermit, okay? I just don't think I could have pulled that off, all right? And when I found that out, I was like, yes, because I know my dad would have hung that on me, okay? So, again, but, but you know what I'm saying? Who, who, you know, let's say you're sitting in here this morning and, and you've been labeled stupid, You've been labeled, oh, I am ADHD or whatever. I am this. I am that. Whatever that label is, it literally shapes our life. It drives our life. And if that is off, if that, if that, where we, what we ever, what, what we fill in that blank, if that is off, it can literally put your life on a trajectory that is, that is not Christ like. It's not biblical. You're missing out on who You truly are. And that's where we're really going to drill down. Guys, the reason why I'm so passionate about this is, is because I've been in the ministry long enough to understand this. A lot of us are emotionally and spiritually stunted. And the reason why a lot of us are spiritually and emotionally stunted is because we don't know how to answer that question. If you put your value and your worth into being right, and we sit and we have a discussion and you're presenting something and I don't agree with you, you're going to get angry with me and you're going to stomp off because you're not feeling valued. I'm looking for my value in being right every time. I am right. Why wouldn't I be right? And so we sit down. You know how many meetings I've been in where people stomp out of the meeting aggravated and mad because they didn't get their way? Because that's where they find their value? rooted in something that is so fragile? Think about this for a second. I was thinking about life as I was coming up, driving down here for the first service. I was thinking about life and just this whole you know, kind of concept. And it's like, you know what, it's like a big Kentucky Derby. It's like a big horse race, right? There's a bunch of babies being born today. And the way I look at a horse race is all the horses are lined up evenly, right? There's not kind of like a pole position. They're all lined up evenly, right? And as soon as that gate drops... Every horse and jockey are jockeying for position, right? I mean, it's a mad rush out of that gate, correct? To win that race. It's like us. There's a bunch of babies being born. We were all born. We're all in this together. Right now, you and I are a bunch of horses running this race, and we're fighting to be first. We're fighting to be in that position, right? And it's like... It's, it's, it's like we're trying to figure out who we are, and so we're just clamoring, man. We're just running, 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 and we're trying to figure out all this. You know, it starts off when we're babies. We're born, and it's really not that bad as babies because we only do about four things, right? We cry, we eat, and then what do we do? We poop, and then we sleep. That's what we do as babies, right? And that's what we do when we get older, too. It's kind of this big circle, right? Right? I offended every service with that, and I wasn't going to stop with you guys. I just thought maybe it would, I thought maybe you might resonate and smile, but I see that you're not cracking, so, okay. But, but so so this, okay, so now we're growing up a little bit. We enter grade school. We enter, uh, you know, elementary school, whatever, we go in. And and we're not, you know, the things that we're concerned about is having fun, right? It's like, hey, this is cool. We meet new friends. We do some cool projects. Like to do the finger paint and that kind of stuff. And so we're not too, guys, we're not... extremely interested in girls just yet. Girls are kind of eyeing the boys over at a young age, right? We're just, Guys, we're just immature, and then it all clicks in, and we're kind of behind the game. But anyhow, so we're, we're in this mode, and then guess what happens? We get into junior high or middle school, however it's structured nowadays. We get into that phase, and guess what becomes a little bit more important? Deodorant. Right? <laughs> deodorant becomes a little bit more important. Think about it. If you don't wear deodorant, something's wrong with you, okay? You... You've, I need to help you answer this question. <laughs> yeah, I am stinking. That's how you would answer that. It's, it's deodorant. Is it not? Or am I not right? Deodorant. So you start to try to impress some of your friends, some of the girls, right? Some of the guys. So you want to look nice. What else becomes becomes a little bit more important? The way you wear your hair, the way you dress. Things start shaping your identity a little bit more, right? And so you start caring about that a little bit more. And so the more we progress, things kind of start kicking in, start kind of shaping us. And we begin, we, we're, we get caught up in this and we're, kind of, we're in this. And so we get into high school and we're really beginning to really discover kind of who we are. And then towards the end of high school, we've got to start figuring out, we've got to answer that question. What am I going to do? Where am I going to go next? Am I going to go to college? What college am I going to go to? Am I going to go in the military? What branch of the military am I going to go into? Am I go, just going to step out and take over my father's business or... Whatever it may be, or am I going to just go out in the work field, in the work environment, or whatever the workforce? You know, what what am I going to do? Some of us say, well, I'm going to go to college, and so we have to pick a college. We go to college. Well, what degree am I going to major in? What am I going to minor in? Am I going to take a foreign language? Am I going to do these things? What do I want to do next? And so we start it's, we start thinking about things. At that point, you know, uh, or we say we're going to the military. I'm going to go in the navy, or whatever it is, or the workforce, what, what, whatever it may be. Then we start thinking about. We start uh, thinking about, we start experiencing a little bit of freedom. You know, all along we were kind of under the, the, the tutelage or the guidance of, of our parents, you know, of home. And so now we start, we branch out and we realize, hey, I got some wings, man. So then we start asking ourselves the question, if you were raised in the church, am I going to continue to go to church? Am I going to continue to be in the faith the way my parents were in the faith? Or am I going to be more in the faith because my parents really weren't that much into the faith? Am I going to sleep around? Am I going to date? Am I going to date the girls at college? Am I going to get married at this point in life? Am I—I mean—all these questions are starting to come into play that we have to answer, and it really shapes who we are. If we don't know who we are, and you have something filled in there that's not what needs to be filled in there, you're making decisions that are going to take your life in different directions. And some of us are probably sitting in here this morning, and we're dealing with decisions that we made in the past that were mistakes, and we look—we look at our life, and we say, "If I." I could just go back and change that if I could go back and just make that simple change the beauty of God is we always have time to do that as long as we're breathing but we're answering these questions and then we get married let's say we get married who am I going to marry we get married and so that's a whole other identity right Guys, we start learning that we were babbling idiots until we got married, right? And our wives come along and give us some couth, you know, and gives us some manners. And so you guys must have not been told that, as from your wife, right? You guys are good. I'm not. You guys are good. So, uh, but but we 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 start entering into that thing in marriage, moms or or wives. I've heard this from my wife when she got married. Things kind of changed. She said, "You know what? I, I I don't know my identity anymore. I don't I don't know who I am." And 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 so my wife Leslie has she's been processing that for a while you know and it kind of it goes all back to this stuff some of us we're just going along in life we don't really know who we are we're just plotting along man we're just making decisions and plotting along and some of us are not happy whatsoever we're not happy. We're just kind of doing it. And then, and then let's, we get married, we have kids, we do the kid thing. Things change, I mean, drastically things change. We become more family oriented, we do these things. And then the kids, they graduate high school, they go off to college. Some of us, within the church even, it's not exclusive to the outside world, some of us, marriages will end at that point because they said what? We held it together while they were in school, and now that they're out of the house, we're, we're divorcing. Because that was their identity, and their identities left them. So regardless, let's say their kids go off and, and, and they have kids, and now your, your grandparents and your kids, you know you, 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 it's just this big thing of trying to understand who we are. Today I want to talk to you about that. and the next weeks, I really want to drill down on what this is, because this is very serious, life-altering how we answer that question. And there's some things that we need to look at, we need to take a critical look at. And the first one is that we need to understand is, who does God say that we are? If you're ever going to understand who you are, the, 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 and truly understand who you are, we need to discover who God says that we are first. And in Genesis, when we go back to Genesis, there's uh, some verses in here that, that clearly indicates, clearly articulates, clearly defines who we are as individuals. And as we look at this, I'm going to read it from the message uh, paraphrase, uh, and it's found in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. And it says this, God spoke, let us, right out of the gate we see, this is where we get the Trinity, we see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us, plural, let us make human beings. Now guys, I want to say this, I'm going to go do one disclaimer, okay? Uh, throughout this series, when we talk about God creating man, in the Hebrew context, when that word is used, God created mankind or man, it means peoples. It doesn't mean man as far as the gender, it means peoples. And so, look, I don't want us to drill down and get hung up on that and you know, view it as some... Uh, chauvinistic, uh, whatever. It's not. It's, 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 we need to understand the way it was written. And in the Hebrew, it meant peoples. And so, in this translation, it says, human beings, let us make human beings in our image. That is extremely critical. And the next thing that's very critical is this. Make them reflecting our nature. Let us make human beings in our image reflecting nature. Reflecting our nature. And then he goes on to say, so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike. Reflected godlike, not God, but God like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. He blessed them. Prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge, be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. If you really want to know who you are, you've got to start in Genesis. If you want to have the truth, the absolute truth, you start in Genesis. And from Genesis, we discover right out of the gate that we are individuals that was created in the image of God. God. When we start dabbling around with creation theories and evolution and pantheism and all these other things, all those, thing, those things are ant- antithetical. They're, they are the antithesis of the Word of God. That is, they, are, they are lies of the enemy. They are deceptions of the enemy that is, is seeking to destroy, trying to destroy the image of God and keep you in a cage. Who am I? I am created in the image of God. That's important. And that communicates a lot more than when we say, well, this is what I do. I'm not just a teacher. I'm not just a lawyer. I'm not just a pastor. I am a son of God. I am created in the image of God. That is very profound. And the last thing that the enemy wants you to understand is how profound that is. And that's what this whole series is going to do. It's going to be, hopefully, for you, a big key that comes in and unlocks your cage. So... The first thing that you know we have to say uh, or look at is who does God say that we are? We are creating his image. We are image bearers of God. We have a physical side. We have a spiritual side. We have an emotional side. All of those three work together. I think from some of the studying that I've been doing lately, I think part of the problem that we have is a lot of us, we, look, we come into church on a Sunday, we look at, at the spiritual side only, and then we're done. We ignore the, the other side of it. We ignore the emotional side. And so some of us in here, we are spiritual beings, yes, but we're also emotional beings. And, but over here, we are so immature. And one author I've been reading, and I agree with him 100% will make this statement that says, you cannot be spiritually mature if you're not emotionally mature. By the way, Paul writes about this in Colossians. This is a heresy over here that says this doesn't exist. That was one of the heresies that he addressed in Colossians. We are spiritual beings. So we can't can't neglect the emotional side. And guys, when we are emotionally stunted, we're, we're spiritually stunted. Now, four things I want to share with you very quickly here this morning about who we are, four critical things that we see within this passage. Number one, and, and again we're going to discover all more things through Ephesians of who we are, Ephesians through who we are, but I want to share with you four quick things. Revelation receivers. This this verse here or this this point here is well let me say it to you this way. You do not have to search for your identity. It's not something that's achieved. It's not something that you have to go out on a quest to understand. Your identity is as, as revealed to you as you engage in that re, your relationship with God. Jesus Christ constantly talked in the Gospels about when he was going to leave, that he was going to send the Holy Spirit Throughout the gospels Jesus kept referring to the Holy Spirit as someone who would come to convict, to lead into righteousness, to teach truth. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Which means that without the Holy Spirit, we are not capable of understanding who God the Father who God is. We don't have that ability as humans to go off on some Some enlightenment journey to understand God without the Holy Spirit. You cannot understand God without His Spirit living inside of you to do what? To reveal to you who He is. So it's extremely critical when you read the Word of God, when there's, when there's commandments out there, or there, there's, there's commands out there that says this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means when the Holy Spirit is placed inside of you as a follower of Jesus Christ, He will lead you into righteousness. He will tell you the truth. He will lead to you what is true. He will guide you. He will direct you. He will let you know when you're going down the path you shouldn't be going down. And when you don't listen to the warnings or to the leading of the Holy Spirit, you are grieving him. So now what happens is when you grieve the Holy Spirit, you 're living your life based upon your own intellectual, intellectualism, your own thoughts, your own thinking, and that every time that 's going to lead you away from God. Does that make sense it 's critical it's simple it's, it's it's profound but it's stuff that you if you've been in church it's stuff that you've heard over and over and over and over again but for some reason it doesn't it cognitively we grab it but to travel that 18 inches down into our hearts where it becomes embraced and where we become surrendered to it is a completely different thing i'm very challenged by this as a pastor, when I counsel people, when I talk to you, when I have conversations with people, it's, it, it's like, it's like, I, I'm, I'm discovering it's like we don't know who the Holy Spirit is. We don't know how to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit within our lives. That's scary. Because as the Word teaches us, and by the way, this is why it's so critical to spend time in the Word of God. Because we know that as we spend time in the Word of God reading the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit, God Himself, reveals to us who He is. He begins to reveal to us who, his, who he is and we, we come out of reading and studying the word and praying with this sense of honest and this sense of an intimate relationship with God because God is meeting you there in the scriptures. He's revealing himself. We are revelation receivers. If you're not putting yourself in a position to receive the revelation, the, the, the God revealing himself to you, you're never going to know God. You're going to make decisions based based upon your own reasoning. That doesn't make sense. That's why some of us sitting in here this morning are miserable. Jesus said in the New Testament, He says, I can only do what I see the Father doing. He's saying the same thing. On Earth, as he set aside some of his godlike attributes and he came to earth, he was saying to his disciples to, her, to his followers, he was saying, "I can only do what I see the father doing we 're going to talk about that a little bit more in here in a few minutes, but he was it 's that revelation. Remember one of the disciples asking him they, he was getting ready to go back to or go to heaven he was talking about his crucifixion, and as he was talking about it. One of the disciples spoke up and says, you know what, we, don't, we, don't even know who, we haven't seen God, we haven't seen the Father, and we don't even know where you're going. Remember that whole discussion? And what does Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God the Father, and we're, again, we're going to talk about this here in a couple of minutes, but God the Father revealing himself to, to those individuals through Jesus. So... We are revelation receivers. If we, don't, if we are not surrendered to the Holy Spirit, if we're not living in a state of, of humbleness to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us, we're never going to know the truths of God. We're not, we're, we're not in a position to understand them. Paul talks about the only way that we can understand someone is to understand the spirit of someone is to, to, to relate with the spirit of that person. And that's what he's talking about, the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is so critical, plays such a critical role in your, on your spiritual journey. The second thing is this. So we're revelation receivers. Who am I? I'm a am I'm, I'm a revel, I'm created in God's likeness. I'm a revelation receiver. I'm humbly honored, which means this. I've been created in the image of God. I'm not an animal. I can't, we cannot believe in evolution and be humbly honored. We cannot believe in that because I didn't evolve. I was created in the image of God. I understand that there's a lower creation, which is the animals and and all the other things, which God says, that's what I want you to manage. That's what I want you to oversee. You are to oversee the lower part of my creation. I've created you to be like me, but not me. So you're not God. You're right here. And humility in the Greek literally means... That to understand one's proper place. And so when we become humble, when I use that word humble and contrite, but humbleness, humility, it means that we understand our right place before God the Father. We're not God, but we're not an animal. But we are, we are, we are a creation of God. And we, we are a, 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 loved, a loved being, a spiritual being of God. And so we're, we're, humbly, we're humbly honored. The third thing is this. We're made, and this is where I was kind of going here, there, in a few, uh, uh, just a few minutes ago. We're made to mirror. Now, how many of you got up this morning and looked into the mirror? None of you. You're Amish. I'm sorry. It's like, oh, what a stupid question. I'm not going to. James talks about this. Okay, I get it. James talks about this, though. James talks about, and he says this. He says, some people are like individuals who get up, they look at themselves in the mirror, and as soon as they walk away, they see the reflection, but as soon as they walk away, they forget who they are. It's absurd. That's what James says. A mirror reflects our image. Some of us don't want to look in the mirror because we have that, yeah, effect. You know, we kind of see that, and it's like, this isn't good. And the closer we get, the worse it gets, right? But But we look in the mirror to see ourselves. To, you know, to, to do whatever we need to do to, to, to get a picture of reality, to get a picture of this, that, that, that reflection of ourselves. God created us to mirror, to reflect Him. Let's go back to the verses. Remember those verses I just read from, you know, in the, in the um, uh, message paraphrase of, of Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 28? Listen to what He says. Let us make human beings in our image. Make them, one more time, make them reflecting our nature. Whose nature? God's nature. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature, guys. Those of you that that, that say that you're a Christ follower, that, that say that you've accepted His free gift of grace and salvation, you are a son or daughter of Christ. You are co-heir with Jesus Christ, and you're created in God's likeness. You're a you're humbly honored. You are a uh, revelation receiver. You are called. You are created to mirror Him. You are called. You are created to reflect. Who he is. His nature. Israel was supposed to be just that as well back in the Old Testament. Israel was this nation of God's people. And when other nations would look at Israel, the one thing that God so does, uh, starting with Adam, but with Israel, the one thing that he wanted more than what he wanted was that they would bring him glory. That as people looked at Israel, they would see God. Jesus said the same thing about his life. When you see me, you see the Father. I'm mirroring the Father. I am a mirror. I am an image bearer. When you look at me, you have seen the Father because that's who I'm reflecting. I'm reflecting God's nature. So guys, that when someone says, man, you're a forgiving person, that's a compliment. Because you know why? Because you've received forgiveness from God and it's coming down and it's reflecting and splashing onto other people. And that's where it's if it's working properly, which it should be, because our mirror is tipped to reflect God. People, it splashes on the people, and you're able to you're able to truthfully say, "That's because I've I've been extended forgiveness from God." How can I be unforgiving, man? You're a man. You give grace. It's because God's given me grace. How can I not extend grace when God has given me grace? And so we reflect this stuff. So, guys, let me ask you, well, let me, let me just take you to, I want to take you to Galatians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles there and you want to turn with me, I want to read from the New Living Translation. And this is that same concept. He says this. So I say to, it's chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says, Live by the Spirit. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature nature craves the sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants And the Spirit gives us desires that are the the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, when you're humble, when you know your rightful place, when you receive the revelations from the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality. Guys, let me ask you a question. If you have sexual immorality in your lives and you're a Christian, is that something you're mirroring from God? Is God the fa- is that is God the Father sexually immoral? He goes on to say: impurity, lustful lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy. If you're an angry person, if you could answer this question this morning, I am an angry person. Are you? Is God an angry person? Is, I mean, is God full of envy and things like that when it comes to that kind of stuff? Listen to what he says. He says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love. I receive love. I'm able to mirror that love to other people. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed their passions and the desires of their sinful nature to His cross, and crucified them there. Guys, we have been called to mirror God. And what happens is, when we do that, what happens is, this next point, we become blessed to bless. Because guys, when you start allowing the Holy Spirit, you live in that... That's again, that sense of humbleness with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is living inside of you and the Holy Spirit has his way. The Holy Spirit is guiding and leading your life. You're going to produce joy. If you're not producing joy, something's off because the Holy Spirit does that within you. You can't do that on your own. You're going to produce patience. You're going to produce love. You're going to produce long-suffering. You're going to produce the gifts that the Holy Spirit has. He's producing those in you, and you become a blessing to other individuals. You're not spewing toxic waste on people when you engage with them. Instead, you're blessing them. You, you're, you're, what's coming out of you are things of the Holy Spirit. They're, they're of God. Does that make sense? And when you take a look at your life, if you're always angry, something is off. If you're always jealous, if you're full of dissension, if you're full of all these other things, it's not. That's not the fruit of the Holy Spirit. By the way, we use a word around here in the church that is that we're we're, we're, we're very quick to throw it out. It's the word judge. Jesus talked about the tree, you know a tree producing fruit. That's what happens. Uh, when something is natural, an apple tree will produce apples. It will produce those things because it is an apple tree. A Christian will produce Christ-like attributes. Some of us will say, you know, if, if we came along, like last week, we, if you were here, we listened to David Bjork, and he talked about accountability, and he said, if you're ever going to be a disciple of Christ, you've got to have someone within you to help you to to hold you accountable and that goes there's reciprocity there and so it helps that you help one another on this journey to become the person that god has created you to be and, and when you do that you become more like jesus well here's the issue some of us will say don't you dare tell me don't you dare come into my life because you're judging me no one's judging you what they're doing is they're saying what they're seeing that's like you having an apple tree in your yard and you go out there this time of the year to make apple butter to get the apples and there's nothing on it or it's producing prunes or something like that. And you're like, what? You know, and so you get all upset and the apple tree says to you, don't judge me. That's absurd, isn't it? It's about as absurd as us saying, hey, don't judge me. No one's judging you. If you're ripping into people, if you're angry all the time, if you're jealous all the time, if you're producing the things that the human nature produces, no one's judging you. They're making observations. And we need each other to say, hey, this isn't you. This this isn't you. You're a child of God. What's going on? I want to pray with you. I want to walk with you. I want to get to the bottom. I I, want to journey with you. I, I see that you're hurting. What's going on? We become blessings. We are blessed to bless. Now, real quick, we're wrapping up right now. Last point. If the worship team wants to come forward, we're going to close here. Here's where it gets all out of whack. And next week we're going to talk about, this is going to be part two, but next week we're going to follow up with this. It's what does Satan say who you are? Okay? Who does Satan say? say that you are. And this is, where it come, this is where it all gets out of whack because what happens is Satan, we know, the liar, or the chief deceiver, is, it, that's who he is. That's all he does. He wants to, to make things a deception. He wants to take things just a little bit off the truth, just a little bit, so it doesn't seem very drastic. If, if he came along and wanted you to kill someone this afternoon physically, I would guess that a lot of you would say, I can't do that. Now, you may do it with words. You may do it with your attitude and your spirit. But you may not do it, you know, whatever. But he takes things and he takes it. If you can see this, he takes things and he takes it off just like this. Can you see that? You probably can't see it right there, can you? But if I would follow this, this is the truth and this is the lie. The next thing you know, we're clear over here. And it's just off just a little bit. Back in Genesis, when he tempted Eve, he said, if you remember, God said, or or he tempted Eve and said, "Are are you telling me that God said that you couldn't have anything in the garden? That's not what God said. What did God say? You can have everything except one thing. He takes it off just a little bit. And when that seed is dropped in our minds, if we're not grounded... That thing begins to take root and something extremely small can can root itself and take take complete can vegeta- take complete control of our lives. I walked by that person today and they didn't say hi. I don't think they like you. I think they're talking about you. I think they're gossiping about you. Next thing you know, I hate that person. I can't stand that person. Or you name it. I mean, it starts with one little thing. One little, little thing. Satan wants the only thing. He knows that he can't destroy God. He knows that he can't, those of you that are Christ followers sitting in here this morning, he knows that he can't take your salvation away from you. But the one thing that he can do to get at God, he's not going to be able to destroy God, but the one thing that he can do to get at God is to go after God's children and deceive them and get their minds so warped and on the things that aren't even true and they begin to live in cages. and all hell is spewed on us and in our minds and all this other stuff and so we begin to live a life that is just miserable and Jesus comes along and what did he say I've come to give you life and when you know the what the truth it will set you free. Guys, if we can if we can address this question and we know that we are children, that we are sons and daughters in Jesus Christ, and we know where we stand before God, and we get where Satan is going to come at us, and we understand his warfare, we understand where he's going to play the mind games with us, and when we root ourselves in the word of God, we are going to be set free. You're not going to be angry all the time. You're not going to pick things that doesn't make sense to build your life on and to be miserable. You're not going to look at things and say, this has me all up in arms. You are going to be free. The Spirit of God is going to produce joy within you. I don't know about you, but that's what I want. I don't know how as a Christian we can walk around sometimes always depressed and discouraged and ready to abandon all things and just leave. We are children of God. Our cages have been, have been exploded wide open. It's time to leave them. And to be the person that God has called us to be. That's what we're going to talk about for the next, I don't know how many weeks. And we're not moving until we get that. Because for some of us in here, we're hurting and we're sick. And we need healing. And the only way we're going to receive that is by knowing who we are in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. I pray that you will stick with us. I pray that you will be on this journey. I pray that you will be involved in a discussion group. I pray that you will open your minds and your hearts to the Spirit of God and let God come in and fill you with all of His gifts and be the person that He has created you to be. You're not stupid. You're not a failure. You're not just a teacher, a lawyer, whatever it may be. That, that, that's, those are things that you may do you're a child of god father i just give you thanks for your for your word i give you thanks for your spirit that's alive here today that wants to free people that wants to open up the cages as you say in this letter to the ephesians that you want to bless us in so many diff- just just the, the, these incredible blessings in heavenly realms god May we open our arms and receive what you have for us. And may we begin to crucify our sinful nature to the cross. That you've already, you've already done it. May we accept that and begin to live our lives the way you want us to live them. Out of our God-created identity. God, would you please help us to respond to you the way you want us to respond right now? I pray, God, if there are people in here that are in bondage, that they would have freedom today. I pray if there's people in here that don't know you, today would be the day that they are freed and experience life to the fullest. God, minister to us. Help us to respond to you the way you want us to. And it's in your son's name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.